Hi folks. Um, no content warnings, uh, at least not in my notes. So I may be back re-recording this as our discussion goes on, because I know how that goes. Second, we have animals. One of whom is just about to jump on the table. Hey, buddy. How are you? Yes, this is... Hello, Shaw. He seems confused that I have turned around and am scratching it, it, his head. You're blocking his route onto the table. Oh, am I blocking? Yeah, yeah okay. Gotta, let me, let me let that. There we go. All right. Hey, no, Shaw. No, no, no. We're, we're, going to, uh, we're going to investigate the sleeping areas that Sergei often takes behind my desk. Okay. Yeah. So, as you see, we get very distracted when the animals show up. I, I, everybody does. Uh, yeah. There's. I think it's part of the culture now that when you are on a Zoom call, you have to introduce your pets if there are new people on the call. And and certainly if they wander through the call. Yes. As Shaw, if you were on a Zoom call, Shaw would be on it right now. Uh, yeah. Hi, little dude. Yeah. Uh, and then the third warning is that we tend to swear. Frequently when the animals are involved, usually Sergey. Yeah, and uh, I do tell our guests that they're allowed to swear. And I don't recall Tom swearing that much, but... Tom being a New Yorker, Tom is our guest. Um, I, there might have been some, it just didn't click in my head. So anyway, those are the warnings and were marked explicit because of the swearing. And yeah, hi folks, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 218. Shaw, you're trying to get comfortable on my planner, which is... Which leaned. is propped open and not uh, load-bearing, but he is giving it the best he is try so he hard. can. So hard. Yes, and it's sort of collapsing under him, and now, yeah, he's he's I'm wiggling. Just gonna, I'm just going to... Oh, scratch. Scratch. Yeah, get see if I can get the belly. Got to get the belly if I can get the belly. There you go, buddy. So... It's interesting. I was on a Zoom call today, and Orange Cat was all up in my grill. Oh, as she does. As she does. And um, so, and and then Allie, one of my coworkers, uh, had a uh, question about cats, because her older cat, who was the bruiser of the house, just had the tooth removal surgery because ah, yes. of the... Uh, autoimmune problems. Which, for some reason, a lot of cats uh, have get an autoimmune yes. problem where they reject their own teeth. Yes. Uh, and no why, one knows why. Why suddenly the younger cat, who was number two, was attempting to groom the older cat, who has been number one for years, and I'm explaining about how cat hierarchies work, and that this is a power play. Yes. Yeah. And once the old bruiser cat feels better, there is an excellent chance he will probably beat the snot out of the uppity oh, youngster. Yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I still miss our old cat, Ben, who was a, a heroic figure of a cat. And, yeah. And had his teeth removed and would uh, uh, bite Kevin or try. And Oh, that first time he, he went to bite my finger... And he, he, like, went for the molar bite. Yeah, he always would go for the chomp. Right. And so, and I just slurped my finger right out of his mouth sideways. And the confusion on his face. Yes, there was. Like, this is, wait, this is not how this works. Yes. Kevin and, and Ben got along very well on the principle that Ben would try to beat up Kevin and Kevin would, would take it and give it right back. And Ben felt that this was, you know... Yeah, it was very, uh, very dude bro bonding, honestly, but uh, manly man bonding. So, so when I was getting getting uh, the tattoos done on the lower part of my right arm, uh, because I, I finished out my tattoos basically so that now I have a sleeve from wrist to shoulder, but there was a lot of empty space on the lower mm -hmm. arm, and we j we filled it all in. And my artist was just like, "You have all of these tiny scars," and I'm thinking to myself. That was Ben. Yep. All of it is Ben. Um, yeah, and we were talking, and I was I was talking about Ben in, on the call today, and then um, we were one of my new coworkers has started listening to Hidden Almanac, and I'm like, oh, um, so they they seem to be enjoying it quite a lot. So uh, ma many people do. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, and uh, uh, I, I'm always just a little. Like there you know. was a very sweet thing some people did on Twitter when it was the anniversary of the Hidden yes. Almanac the other day, and people were chiming in with how much it had meant to them. And Kevin was like, "Ninjas were cutting onions in the everywhere, house everywhere, everywhere." Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it stemmed out of an interesting conversation um, in the stand-up, and that was that um, uh, 
Courtney, one of our managers, started down tech and learning to code because of prints. When she was younger, she first she heard like Prince's first album and that w it was all over. Uh, but <clears throat> then she started to trade like little bits of coding on Prince BBSs ah. as in trade for like live bootlegs from Europe and that sort of thing. And so it was really a a natural progression to move into tech because of prints. Um, and the question came up, who is the person that, who was your prints? Who was your inspiration? And I, I don't think I have one for tech or career, but when I talk about interacting with fans, and this is someone I, I don't know if I've talked about on the show before, um, that I always use the example of the motorcycle builder, Indian Larry, who um, won his, his, his autobiographical note that he found himself in uh, the New York's Bellevue Mental Institution strung out on heroin and just, he said, and in just like a, a pit of despair and whatever. And he said, the only thing you can do from there is climb back up. And he climbed back up several times during his career. Um, but the thing that always struck me is that he always took the time for his fans, always. He he would stay extra during a, an appearance just so everyone could see him, or um, he would do extra tricks on his shows, his live you know motorcycle shows, um, to just just because the fans loved it, um, and he was always very gracious and kind to the fans. I mean, I I know as someone who has you know, built a lot of motorcycles and hung out with that crowd that he was no stranger to having to whack someone upside the head. But um, before his death, he he knew that a lot of his success was rooted in um, the people who came to see him and, oh, yeah. and the fans. And I've I've tried really hard to incorporate that into my own sort of dealing with the people who talk about how much they love Hidden Almanac or uh, when they're talking about I found a new planner on Twitter <laughs> or just meeting people at cons, right? It's, 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 that was the lesson I took and that was the, that's one of my great inspirations. Um, and I have his symbol tattooed on my, the symbol he used for his shop and on all his bikes tattooed on my arm as a reminder. Um, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. The, we're only here because you're listening to us, right, and right. you know, I'm only here and not working a grim nine to five because you're buying my books, some of you, and and I'm very grateful. Uh, but and you know, uh, yeah, we we yeah, without yeah. the fans, you're not really, you know. Well, you know. and I think it's it's interesting because one of the things is that I never before his death, I never got to like tell Indian Larry that that he was influential yeah right and so one of the things I do when going to these concerts you know I'm a huge I go to live music oh I, yeah that's that's know. one of your your great yeah, hobbies and, and, um and we talked about why but yeah. part of it is also so that I can tell the bands when I have a chance to meet them just how much their music has mean meant to me or how in the case of like the one band I saw in Charlotte that it was basically their first big show. They were like the local opener and they, they blew me away and tell them how important or talented or how much you enjoyed it. And I think that's, that's something important. You should go out and you should find your, not necessarily a hero. Don't make heroes, but find, find someone who's influenced you and made an important part of your life. And, uh, uh, or been an important part of your life and tell you how much that meant. You don't need to do it to us. I'll just end up, you know, reading Twitter with tears pouring could. down my face. Yeah. I mean, if you want that, go ahead. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 it is both moving and kind of hilarious. Yeah, uh, but... yeah. Um, but, you know, if if there's anybody else, you know, certainly. Because um, we don't take the time out to do that often enough. No, and, and I... It's... it's... I want to say it's different for me because, like, if I have 10,000 readers, 
if even a a one percent of them send me fan mail, that's a lot of fan mail. Right. right so right. so it feels like to me like lots of people take time out of their day to tell me that they like the work, and I'm I'm uh, touched and uh, and the the closest I can do really is. Uh, like, I mean, I, I wrote Robin McKinley and told her that, you know, her work had been incredibly meaningful full for me. But when I see, you know, artists that I admire greatly or whatnot, on usually on Twitter, because that's where I live, I'm like, I try to be like, your work is really good. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so, I don't know. Yeah. But you will admit to telling Brom how influential he was. Okay, I might have might have darked out of Brom a little. <laughs> you did. It was it was sweet and it was funny and I believe he really appreciated it. I, I regret a little I could not geek out at James Christensen uh before he passed away, but Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but and 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 that's part of why I the, my music thing. Like there were several artists who I didn't get a chance to meet or say I really enjoy your work and it's been very important to me. So welcome to your forties, kids. All of your influences start to die and you start to reflect on that. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, how yeah. was your week? Uh, you know what, my my last week was. A bit of a grind to get to where I was like yesterday, and then yesterday was a bit of a grind, and today everything just started cascading and falling into place. Oh, so uh, I am nearly wrapped on my two big projects. I believe tomorrow morning is going to be the last project status meeting for the one because it will be done like tomorrow as far as I can tell. So we're, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. good. I'm feeling good. And I feel like I've been productive, uh, really productive. And on the flip side, you had a rough day today. Yes. And it wasn't, it, it was, it, uh, it was nothing emotional or bad like that. Right. It was that, um, I screwed up my pills again. And although in a novel way this time. Yeah, in a novel way. In a novel uh, way. Yeah. Last night, Kevin was like, You haven't taken your evening pill, take your evening pill. So I went and took my evening pill. And then maybe half an hour later, I was like, I need to go take my pill. And I went <sighs> and I took a pill, but it was the morning pill for today, which meant I took my ADHD med, which meant that at 4 a.m., wow, was I alert. Yeah. Like I slept like a log for about three hours and then was like, boom. And yeah, brain, yeah. brain just ch 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 chugging along at top speed for about three hours. And uh, uh, yeah. And I then mean, I had to go get up and, uh, and then I, I did manage to get a little more sleep, not a lot, not good sleep. And then I had a doctor's appointment. Uh, where I had to break in a new doctor, which it was not really a breaking in. He was, <laughs> he had the kind of I am overworked and you get ten minutes thing going on. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, so, so it wasn't the full break in a new doctor. I didn't tell him the yakworm story, but I did. Oh, uh, good. I did get him to agree that uh, if I get a rash from a tick, he will hand me a month of antibiotics, and that just, will yeah. just be the way it is. That's just the way it is around here. Yes. Uh, yeah. And and seemed good. I checked everything and was like, <laughs> you know, is the synthroid working? I don't know if the synthroid's working. So we're doing a panel on that and is trying to see if we can get my proton pump inhibitor down a little. Pro so proton pump inhibitor? The Dexalent. The, oh, right, the right, reflex right. one, just because those are hard on your kidneys and on your yeah. bones because they chew through calcium. So, uh, So if we can get the dose down a bit that would be nice but yeah. uh yeah, yeah otherwise yeah. seemed competent you know did not say a word about my weight which i like thumbs up yeah yeah uh and yeah but the other thing uh you had this past week was you had an initial call with a virtual uh physical trainer yes so uh <laughs> 
Honestly, I think you should probably have him on the show. Oh, I, I, I've just been trying. Just because yeah. uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it at some point when I know him slightly better because uh, he does it all in Google spreadsheets, basically. And uh, uh, nice guy. Seems very good at what he does. Came highly recommended from a lot of other people. Yeah. If you uh, follow Twitter, it is Himbo Chef who does videos of, you know, being a muscular dude cooking and yeah i mean there's there's a market for that there's a market there yes a market. and uh and is a personal trainer in weightlifting which was something that always seemed interesting like i was sort of like interested by the the thought but there was just such a huge learning curve on the idea because yeah. it's like I don't know where you start. Uh, you can't. I mean, I assume you don't. Ju- I would. Cert- I would never in a million years walk into a gym and just like pick up weights or something, right? Right. Because that seems like a good way to hurt yourself. So, uh, and you hear all of these stories of you know the terrible injuries and whatnot. So I was like, hey, what the heck? Let's let's try it. Just and uh, so we'll see. I mean, we may get a month in and decide that it won't get anywhere, but... Or it doesn't work for you, or... or, Yeah. But uh, it would be nice to have a little more arm strength and be able to carry potting soil bags around without going, Kevin, carry my potting soil. Right. I'm with you. I'm with you. And then it's just been more, more stuff with house. But last week was was the wild week of an appointment every thirty seconds. Oh my god! Yeah. And tomorrow I have a perfectly normal day. Knock on laminate. Right. That I can just write words like a normal thing and not go anywhere else or do anything that you know. Just write the words. Write the words. Yeah. Yes. So cool. Yeah. Um, I have a interview. Yes. I do. That that um, is often what the show is about. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, but I think we've done well this week, and so we'll check in again next week as we do. Um, so I had a chance to sit down and talk to Tom Kading, who is the chief financial officer at a marketing firm, and I actually had a chance to sit down this past week. And talk to the um, uh, the the head of customer success, and so I'll have her interview um, in. Wow, that's all the way in November. But I had such a great time talking to Tom, and I was immediately like, "Hey, can I talk to these other two people?" And you know, it was it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so I have that for you folks right after this. here today with Tom and Tom does some really neat stuff um, and it just occurred to me before we started recording I didn't ask how to pronounce your last name <laughs> so, <laughs> it's Kating okay I thought that was the case so um, Tom is here today to tell us how he stays productive and let's roll with it so Tom can you do a significantly better job introducing yourself than I just did and tell us about what you do yeah absolutely or I hope so so I'm the chief financial officer at Wonderkind. It's a marketing technology company in New York City. So our products and services, they enable brands to create and build relationships with their customers through personalized marketing experiences. And at its core, my teams are responsible for enabling and guiding effective decision-making and execution across the organization. So it manifests itself in many different ways from strategy alignment and goal setting, resource allocation, you know, identify communicating opportunities and challenges, optimizing teams, processes, et cetera. So when we're at our best, we're a thought partner with stakeholders throughout the organization, which I really love because it constantly evolves my thinking on what it means to run a successful function or to run a yeah, successful yeah. business. 
And at our worst, you know, we're wrangling cats and annoying people. Um, so b- before Wonderkin, I worked in financial services, but really when I think about my body of work, Wonderkin is what I'm most passionate about and excited about my time here. And for anyone who's worked at a fast-growing tech company, there's such an excitement to working in a dynamic environment, which is actually why I'm excited to be here today. And thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, when you're operating in white, white space and you're moving extremely quick, quickly, it raises a lot of challenges with how do you stay productive? How do you stay organized? I think yeah. it's, it's always interesting. And it's interesting as well that um, the role of the CFO has changed significantly in even the last decade. I remember my early days, it was like, this is the person who controls the money. You keep them happy and they will decide whether things go forward or not based purely on budget. And it's a significantly different role now. Yeah, absolutely. And it has to be. I mean, if you look at public markets, people are valuing growth and, and companies that are innovative and have that opportunity to, to go capture market share. It's really Rather than focus on cost cutting, uh, you're focusing on maximizing return. And so if you're able to show that there are effective growth vectors and you have a viable business model, then there's capital to support you going after initiatives that are value accretive, which I think is a much healthier business structure overall. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and having been through big companies, small startups, um, medium-sized environments, whatever medium qualifies as these days, um, you know, I've I've come around from or i've come through the entire system from you know the the early days to where we're at now working with um you know not just the financials but also things like uh product management uh and you know developing a relationship with customers that are happening not just say in customer success or customer support it's almost organization-wide now that's exactly right. And I, I think one of the things that so many people get wrong is the focus on having just the best products and services. And services is a huge component of that. On how are you delighting your customers is a critical piece. And everyone has a part in that. You know, I've been as employee 100. We're now past 600. And everyone thinks companies that go up and to the right, it's just some big, you know, exponential curve. It really looks more like a sine wave than it does a yeah. straight line. And I think throughout that experience, there's many different points where you have the opportunity to learn a lot. And the first people you should be going to at those junctures is your employees, especially the ones that interface with your customers and your customers directly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, with all that going on, how do you stay productive? Yeah, it's, I, it's an interesting question. And I think the most, when I was thinking through this, the most important thing to staying organized and productive is understanding yourself. You know, I think there's a lot of pressure to always be doing what everyone else is doing, finding the most innovative thing, getting every single detail and trying to maximize these things. But, you know, in my nature, I live my life in 12 hour intervals, right? If I'm defaulting to that, I flew to Japan with uh, with only a plane ticket. I didn't have any hotel booked. I had no idea where I was going. (laughs) And, And so that's how I, my natural state is that. So I have to be very intentional and proactive in order to stay productive. And specifically what is effective for me is studying infrastructure and being intentional about my communication channels and also my schedule in general. So for me, I create different communication channels depending on how I'm using them. So what I mean by that is for email, I have a personal email address that is very sensitive. This is, you know, most people, my family, my friends don't have access to it. And the reason for that is if something is critically important and something that I know I will need to revisit in the future, it's so much easier to filter and search through an inbox than it is doing something in text uh, or any other channel that you use. I think everyone has, you know, more of the casual, maybe you call it a junk personal email. Um, and then I have my work email as well. And so with my sensitive and kind of personal email, I have its own calendar with that. And same with my work email, I have a calendar with that. And I use different applications for each, which really helps me compartmentalize and keep those a bit separate. And then another thing that's been very helpful for me is even in my messaging app, you know, I think with the popularity of Slack, a lot of people are seeing the benefits and efficiency that you can get out of that. But we also, when we're communicating with one another, we use WhatsApp. And I don't use WhatsApp with my friends at all, but when I'm communicating with coworkers about things that are related to work, we keep those that in WhatsApp. And for me, it's very helpful that 
I'm not trying to do work things through text. If I open WhatsApp, I know that I'm going to be addressing work things. It helps me get into that headspace mm-hmm. uh, and kind of in a similar way as I treat my email. So that's the first piece on communication channels. And the second piece I think is critically important for me is being very intentional with my calendar and being protective of it as well, but also being agile within working blocks. That I so I don't take meetings before 11 a.m. And I'm fortunate to be able to do so, but I really have to be diligent about this. And this is where I do all of my contributor work. And if I need to press on things, I'm a person that I'm much more effective in the morning. And I also prefer to wake up early and spend the time doing it then because everyone already has their own routines in the morning. You don't feel like you're missing out on interacting with, you know, your family, your friends, your partner, whoever it may be. In the same way that if you're working late, you feel like you're constantly missing out on those you know, relationship experiences that are very important to me uh, as a person. So, and then after 11, where I get my contributor work done, I really focus on my meeting blocks. And what I'll typically do is I'll have priorities for the week, but I'll keep the blocks free. So just because I have a contributor block, I'll decide within that day, I'm like, okay, what do I want to work on during this session? I try not to context. I think that's a very something people get caught up in. I see it all the time, especially as organizations are scaling, is that constant context shifting is such a detriment to progress and productivity uh, that I, I try to be very mindful of that. And then, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say when, I, when in one of my prior roles, I uh, that actually kind of was how I ended up having to do things because the majority of the company was on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast. So I could not guarantee having a contiguous block from noon Eastern until my end of day because they were all trying to do meetings. So I really had to maximize that time prior to that, like the, and I'm putting this in air quotes, first thing meeting at 9 a.m. Pacific, which is lunchtime for me, right? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, and there was a lot of, I have to be productive about my time because otherwise I would not have an opportunity to eat or I would not have, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, uh, there's a, a Paul, an article that Paul Graham wrote uh, from Y Combinator back in 2009. And it's, I don't know if you've read this or discussed it on the show, but it's called Maker Schedule and Manager Schedule. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Incredible incredible how highly relevant that still holds. And I I still think it's another thing that whether it be uh, a person or a company or an organization, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. still get wrong. There's very much a difference. And and for those people who aren't familiar with it, the idea is that there's two different types of schedules and two different types of people that have uh, work to do. So you have the manager schedule, your traditional appointment book. Each day is cut into one-hour intervals. You're, you can block off several hours for a single task if you need to, but primarily you can change what you're doing every single hour. And when you're using time this way, he makes the case that it's merely a practical problem to meet with someone. So you just find an open slot on the, both schedules and you book them and you're done. Whereas with a maker schedule, and these are the people who are actually what I call contributor hours, but actually building things, especially if you think of yeah. programmers and engineers, where really you need a half-day blocks to ensure that you're getting into that right headspace. You're writing, when you're writing code or even when you're contributing anything, you need a certain amount of time. An hour is not enough to make headway on that. And if you get interrupted within that session, it takes you a while to get back in the group. Okay, what was I doing? You have to get back into the swing of it into that different headset. So what happens is you have managers who want to put meetings on makers' schedules and it disrupts them entirely where you have one meeting in the middle of a three-hour working block for them can inhibit so much progress. And so to be mindful of that for yourself, but also for the people that you're working with, I think is a huge part to being productive as a team or a group. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, working with an international team like I do, where it's juggling, okay, is the person I need to talk to in Europe? Is the person I need to talk to in Asia? Do I need to talk to both of them? Can I do, you know, meeting swap times where this week's Asia-friendly next week's Europe friendlier or however to do that. It it can be very challenging, but you still have to be mindful of like what is their role and what are their goals going to be. Absolutely. And that's another thing too that being thoughtful about when you are scheduling a meeting on someone's calendar and it's honestly just being respectful on 
hey, here is what this meeting is for. Here's what I see your role as, and here's what I'd like to get out of it. And doing that ahead of time, putting it in the invite, is something that, for me, is just purely a respectful thing. You're not just throwing a random block on someone's calendar and they're jumping into yeah, it. Yeah. I also think if you're putting that, putting yourself to a higher standard on what exactly do I need out of this meeting, a lot of times I'll be like, I actually don't need this meeting, <laughs> which we'll just set it via, resolve it via email. And right, you know, right. I can't give a good reason or what's the output or why is this person there, then I just keep them off the meeting or I don't do the meeting entirely. It's it's like the uh, the coffee mug that says this meeting could have been an email. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> if you're not careful, it's, it's especially virtually. Uh, that's one thing that I picked up on is every I feel I can't tell what it is, but there's something in the human psychology on I want to make sure that things are happening or people are there and I can't see it. I'm not in the office, etc. And so there was just this. I know I was you know from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. just back to back with walls of meetings and oh yeah. It, it was tough and, and, and something that would take you five minutes to resolve in person. Someone just stops by the desk. It's you get on the meeting, you small talk for a while, which is important, right? Oh, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it'll take you 15 minutes to do it virtually when it's like, hey, I really just have this quick question that I need. Yeah. And and I, I will say in our company, we do use Slack for that. We do use, you know, it. we don't have to have a face-to-face for everything, but that option is always open, Right. It's it's hard to remember the time before Slack or Teams or whatever <laughs> you use, right? It's uh, I, my inbox is bad enough as it is. I can't imagine if you didn't have that outlet. In um, in the ancient before times, I uh, I worked for Red Hat and we had an internal IRC server. This was before Slack came around, and that was all. That was like our communication hub, our lifeblood. Because again, international company interacting with people all over the world, but you know and. We didn't have the video technology at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And picking up the phone to talk to somebody was really expensive, but we could all chat on on IRC. We could all send email, you know. So it's much been much more interesting to watch the technology evolve over the last 10, 15 years, uh, because this would not have worked 15 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. It it, it is amazing. Even yeah. I mean, even in the last five years, to see how far they've yeah. come. And I mean, even with the, the pandemic, too, I think we were talking about this earlier, where really trial by fire on, hey, does remote work and video conferencing work? And the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. And where it didn't, man, you watched companies scramble and catch up really quick. It was pretty amazing to watch. Absolutely. Would have, would have loved to be in on Zoom stock <laughs> <laughs> at that point in time. But, you know, next pandemic. <laughs> right, right. Um, so you talked about using three different email programs. That's right. Um, yeah. So what are they? I'm 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 kind of curious about that now. Yeah. So I for my uh, my casual inbox, it's mostly just marketing emails, etc. I typically only access that on my desktop computer because I don't need it there. But I will use the Apple Mail app for work, and I'll use the Gmail app for right. my my uh, sensitive personal inbox. Cool. Not not running multiple profiles or anything like that. Oh. No, no. It's uh, it's probably a simplistic way. There's, I'm sure there's better ways of capturing that same spirit. But for me, I think one of the important things is when I open an application. Mm-hmm. It. I think one of the most dangerous things that can happen that people do is you constantly have your email up, you constantly have your work email up, and yeah. especially if two monitors and you're doing something, something comes in, you it's hard not to go and address that or open that up. And it just changes your mindset. And again, it's another version of context shifting that happens perpetually. So right. when I open an application, I'm very intentional. It's like, hey, do I have time if I have 10 messages to respond to all of them right now? And if not, do I want to do that right now or continue focusing on what I'm doing currently? Yeah, yeah. I um, I have a love-hate relationship with, with email. I have for decades. Uh, but um, uh, I have found, you know, like... I have a personal machine that does not get my work email on it, does not have my work Slack on it, and does it does have my work calendar on it because I need that for planning. But it's really important to be able to like turn that off and say, okay, I'm I cannot be looking at work email right now. I you know don't need to focus because I'll get sucked in. Absolutely. And and you know that's something that in the last. 10 years has dramatically shifted, and especially during the pandemic where people are home all day. How do you turn that off? 
you know, it's you feel constantly on call. And one of the things that I see that is most destructive to productivity is when people burn out. Yeah, they're just oh, yeah. incapable of doing it, and you feel like you're on the clock constantly. And hey, because I'm home and I have a free minute, I should check this. Those are the things that I think are, are dangerous, and you have to protect yourself from. And you have to do it intentionally. Like have a different machine. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I go on vacation, I will either hide or delete some of the apps that I use to communicate. And it's like, hey, if you need me specifically for this, then you can call me or you can just text me here. Right. Or in my case, I, I usually phrase it, if you need literally me for this thing, then we have done something very wrong because I should not be a single point of failure. So also very true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've talked a little bit about, about handling that systematically. Are there any other uh, systems and habits that you find particularly valuable? Yeah, you know, there's, there's an endless number of applications for productivity, and I've tried many of them. But again, I think it's important to understand yourself for that. It's kind of I, the way I think about it is how are you wired? And a good organization system is, is like a diet. The best one is the one that you're going to be consistent with. And I'm not someone who's going to be tracking every single detailed aspect of my life. I know a lot of people who do, and they're very successful for it. Uh, there's a, someone on my team specifically that I'm thinking about where it, it blows <laughs> my mind. He's jumping between four different applications, and they're pointing to each other and it's amazing, but it's really not for me. I, you know, not as type A. There's there's one exception. I'm not sure if it actually applies, but I have been on a huge kick of optimizing my sleep schedule. Oh. And so anything that helps with that, I am all about. Mm. I, I recently got one of the sunlight alarm clocks, and for anyone who doesn't have one, I cannot recommend it enough. You wake up naturally with a light before there's any sound. And it just starts your day on such a better foot. You combine that with the fitness trackers that all have pretty advanced sleep mapping now. And you can oh, try yeah, yeah. different things to see how well you're actually resting. If you share, and this is going to sound crazy, but if you have a partner and you share a bedroom with, get two duvets. I swear it is game changing. You get the two duvets. It looks the same. It's so much easier and pleasant to sleep. And I even want to take it a step further where I want to get two full mattresses instead of having a king size bed. I think it's that important. It's tough to sleep right next to someone, and anything you can do to make that better, I think it's extremely important. Yeah, we we recently switched to two weighted blankets because, like a single, like even a king size weighted blanket, it wasn't. This sounds weird to say it, but it wasn't heavy enough for the two of us combined. But with two, like I think they're like twin or double size to fit the bed it's great it, um, it, yeah it really is it sounds crazy but it makes it so much better yeah and so uh, oh yeah wearing, pulling on blankets etc it just you feel that even if you're not aware of it it's uh i honestly want to use a fitness app and, and track between those two scenarios if you use two duvets or not but i guarantee there's a difference in the quality of sleep yeah, I, I've just been shocked also at, at how good uh, it's been on the Apple Watch mm. um, sleep tracker there. Although I did also learn that I, if I'm using the Apple Watch, I can turn off my alarm in my sleep. So I had to stop using <laughs> for sleep tracking. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit too close. I know people who put their alarm clocks outside of the rooms so get up, uh, which I think is you know it's one way of forcing that discipline, but. Yeah, when it's on your wrist, it's pretty pretty easy to hit snooze. Uh, well, we also have a dog who insists on breakfast at roughly the same time every day, so you don't get much of a choice about that wake up time. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's my tip is just just buy a dog, and you don't <laughs> have to worry about it. Um, yeah, I, and I think the other stuff that I already had covered earlier, but again, I can't emphasize enough when one of my managers was telling me they only check email once in the morning and once in the evening which I think is extreme for a lot of people and you don't have the ability to do that, but taking something to that extent and it's that important. And they were, you know, they're talking about how great and how much more productive they were. And especially when they were in their inbox, they were just there to clear it out. And that was it. But that's something that I, is, is a, a big habit of mine that I've, I've developed over the past few years. Yeah. Cool. And I think we've already covered what a typical day looks like. Yeah, 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 absolutely, from a structure well, standpoint. Yeah, well, except 
we've we've talked about okay, you've got your your you've got your focus time in the morning, you've got sort of your meeting time in the after that with with blocks for focus time. But at some point, you either hopefully go home or turn off work and do some wind down or something. What does what does that look like? Yeah, so I will bookend my days with checking my inbox and clearing that out. It also helps me think about the next day, what are my priorities on the things I need to get done within that week. And so I'll typically, after my last meeting is done, if I have any follow-up contributor work that I want to get out that night, I will do that. And then I'll typically end my day on clearing out the inbox again. And so that way, you can have a, a fresh start for the, the next day. Um, but w- one of the things, when I, I think about prioritization and how do you piece that together and do it effectively. I think one of the things that I've found effective is thinking about things on a quarterly basis, both professionally and personally. I think further than that, it just doesn't feel meaningful. You should have some idea on where you want to take things. Um, For example, I've been wanting to learn piano forever and I ordered a piano, (laughs) but it's it's not going to get here till November. So I, that is it. Hey, four months going to start focusing (laughs) on playing piano. But I think when you have a quarterly cycle and you pick three, what are the three to five things? And I, I think if you get any more than that, it just ends up being too much to effectively prioritize oh, yeah. that I, I want or need to accomplish over that time period. And then breaking that down into what are all the components of doing these things or accomplishing these tasks and almost setting up a Gantt chart if there's interdependencies or what is the order of operations here? And then you can break that down into somewhere where I have a weekly. So, hey, th- this yeah. week I want to do X, Y, and Z. And it makes it easy as I'm going throughout that week and I have the working blocks to either address those items. And if I don't get to it, I understand how it affects all of my future weeks, which is something that's really helpful for me. The, the whole idea that you're going to take your goals and break them down into a Gantt chart with dependencies makes my project mar- manager heart sing. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, I, I love I love Agile. I love working Agile flows, but there is just something so satisfying about watching that Gantt chart fill up, as it were. That's right. It's effectively the same as when you physically cross things off of a list. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> and do you do anything for fun after the, the day just to wind down or, or let loose? Or Yeah, absolutely. You know, I... <laughs> I will pick up a bunch of random hobbies. I get very into a wide variety of things. So depending on when you ask me, it'll be a very different answer. You know, earlier this year, I was very into pinball. I lived above a barcade and there was an Alice Cooper machine (laughs) in the back. And I can't tell you how many games of that I played. I I had a blast with it. (laughs) I unfortunately moved and I don't know if I'm at the commitment level of traveling 30 minutes to go play pinball, but make my way back there. You know, I, I love reading, love writing, really big into listening to music. I, I really like physical forms of media, too. It makes it a little more special to me personally when someone can come over and they can just see what you're interested in. And then selfishly, the, the record player is actually nice because some, you have people over. It's like, hey, can I play a song? It's like, no, you can pick a record. And I like all my records. So right, it's, right. <laughs> it's the perceived deference, uh, which I really enjoy. Uh, are you as excited about I am now that concerts are starting to happen again? Because I'm Absolutely. so excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, there's nothing like live music. And it's yeah. honestly, it's hard to believe it's been almost two years since I've been able to do that. So, I, my, the last show I saw was uh, January of last year. And um, yeah, it was the Dead South at a, a club in Raleigh. And it was just amazing. So, I've been, I've been, I've been waiting just palpably waiting to hear you know this is happening this is happening and now i'm finding that it's like oh uh let me check to see if i don't already have a a concert that weekend because they're just coming that fast and trying to pack in as many as possible you gotta love it and i think that's going to continue too you know there's a, a huge wave where every single artist that could tour is going to be touring oh yeah i from what I understand, you know, with the the streaming music services, that's a primary part of generating income as, as an artist these days. So I think you'll start yeah. seeing everyone coming through town, which is which is exciting. Well, maybe for you being in the that's city, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, you know, are there a couple where I'm like, it's a three hour drive one way, worth it. 
worth yeah, it. But you have to work the next morning. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Are you ready for the uh, the fun questions? I enjoy these probably the most. These next three. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's let them rip. So, um, what's the best advice you've been given, and or the best advice you'd give somebody else? I love this question. I think it's, <laughs> it's great. You know, on a I think on a personal level, the mm -hmm. it's okay to say no to things, which sounds stupid, but I'm someone that feels so obligated. I never want to disappoint anyone, and I constantly want to do everything. And then that day will come around, and I'm like, why did I make these three commitments? And it makes myself miserable. <laughs> it's I think people typically are disappointed or upset when you inappropriately set expectations. It's not necessarily what the answer is or the deadline that's set. Yeah. If you ask me, hey, Tom, do you want to go to dinner? I'm like, absolutely. And three hours before, I'm like, actually, I can't. Like, oh, that kind of sucks. Versus, yeah, yeah. hey, you want to go to dinner? It's like, no, I can't that night. And once you get into the habit of that, it's so liberating for me. My friend group now, too, it's, we're just telling each other no all the time, which I love. It's uh, no guilt uh, on that. So that's been a big one for me personally. I think the, my favorite piece of advice is uh, someone was telling me it's, hey, motivation's bullshit. And it's never going to actually get you to do the things that you say that you want to do. It relies on this concept that in order to get something done, I need to be in this mindset. I need to be thinking this way or feeling this way, which if you just go out and start doing those things, it starts giving you the feelings of feeling accomplished and enjoying what you're doing. And it becomes, you know, actually just going out and doing it will create that motivation. And by consistently doing things and having the discipline, it's a way more effective mechanism. And the, the fact that people think like, hey, I just got to get motivated. and you know, I'm going to go read two more articles or I'm going to spend my time and, and then I'm going to come back. And I'm, going to, I'm going to get to it. It's like, just make that first step, just do it. And yeah. it's unbelievable how much more effective it is, even though it may be unpleasant at first. Uh, nope. I, I agree wholeheartedly on that one. Um, and all that whole, you know, yeah, I, I, I admit some people need that pump up, right? Need that sort of, you can do this. You're the best. You're the greatest X, but it still isn't necessarily the same as sitting down and doing that very, very first step because it snowballs, right? Right, right. And and that's not to say, hey, it's not good to pump people up and get motivated, no. but if you're looking to do something consistently, there's really no other way to do it. And then I think my favorite, honestly, is I think it was someone was young. It's just, hey, if you walk fast, people will just assume that you're busy or doing something important and they won't. So I, when I just don't feel like talking to anyone, you'll see me practically in a sprint walking around Manhattan. Yeah, I, I call that my, I, I do call that my New York strut. <laughs> yeah, that's you right. Know? Nope, I got to get from A to B. I don't really need distractions. And my wife is like, slow down, slow down. I, I literally cannot walk that fast. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, even when it's, yeah, you're, you're walking to the restroom at the office. It's like, yeah, I just really don't feel like talking to anyone right now. Either yeah. throw them over their headphones with no music on or just walk really fast and everyone's assuming, wow, he must be doing something really important. Yeah. Cool. All right. The sad question. Sometimes. Um, how do you deal with failure when you miss a goal? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think it depends specifically on what that failure is. You know, I think the first step that I try to do, especially something professionally, I think the, the personal failures ding a lot more than the professional yeah. ones. The professional ones you're looking at, hey, first evaluate why something failed. And it's like, was it inappropriately scoped? Was it a matter of prioritization? Was it the lack of ability, the talent, the resources to actually do that task? Right. Um, did we have a hypothesis that just ended up being incorrect? And so I think you can break it down and start analyzing it. And hopefully that can inform the way you do things looking forward. And one of the most important things to me is in order to truly innovate, you have to be iterating constantly, have to make oh, yeah. improvements. And if you're constantly pushing the bar and you are taking chances and you are 
pushing the bounds on what maybe it's what you've done before. Maybe it's what your team's done before. Maybe it's what anyone's done before in your space. Right. It's so important to be able to acknowledge and let yourself fail and to not let that hold you back. I mean, someone was telling me they were using the example of when Toyota first entered into the U.S. automakers market, a huge contributor to success is they would release a car every single where a lot of the U.S. makers were doing it every three or four years. Oh, and yeah, yeah. by shipping a new model every single year, you find out in real time what are the things that work well and what are the things that can iterate more quickly, whereas you can get everyone in the room, everyone can agree that this is the best answer. I see this all the time. On paper, this it makes the most sense, and it is the right answer. And it doesn't work. You can't use it. Right. And it happens all the time. So I think encourage yourself to iterate quickly and a huge component of that is allowing yourself that buffer that you're not going to hit a hundred out of a hundred. As, as one of my former managers said, we want to fail fast. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, honestly, a big part about failing fast too is knowing when to cut the cord, so to speak. And if you properly set up, Hey, here's what success means on this timeline, you can make that a lot quicker rather than, Hey, how are we feeling about it? Right. Right. Now you talked about per professional, but you did mention you handle personal differently. Personal, personal is tough, right? And, and again, <laughs> th there's that failure can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. I think the most important thing is a huge advocate on talking to people, especially I encourage everyone to do therapy. I think mm -hmm. it's it's difficult when we live in a society where it's not common to talk about how you're feeling about something or, yeah. you know, everything needs to be good all the time. How are you doing good? Always the immediate reaction. And I think having a circle of people with whom you, you trust to be able to have those conversations, whether it be your partner, whether it be your family, whether it be friends is really important. And I think therapy is I'm a huge advocate for mental health. And it's something that I don't know why it's, it's been taboo for so long. I think it's changing and it feels good. Mm -hmm. But having someone that you can consistently talk through things, and it's honestly like talking to yourself with someone overseeing it. It's it's amazing. Oh yeah, no, um, and yeah, I, I did some therapy when my first marriage was ending, and it was it was life changing, right? Absolutely, and and even if not, if everything in your life is going great, like yeah. I hope so for everyone, that's awesome. Yeah, but yeah. starting that relationship earlier, and so then when you you already have established some level of a relationship with someone, it helps out a lot if something bad does happen or something that you yeah. really need that support does happen. So huge, huge advocate for therapy. Yeah. There. Yeah. On the flip side of the coin, do you celebrate your successes? And if so, how? It, yeah, it, this is also, it, it's a great one. One of the things that I love that one of the teams here does is our, our people team, which is HR and talent, they every week have a weekly wins and they will invite each person can invite one other person and they will, everyone's there every time because it's such a happy, fun meeting where everyone goes through their week and they'll give out like who, who were their wins for the week? Who did something that they want to recognize and appreciate? And I think something that is all too common in workspaces is the appreciation never actually makes it to the person. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such a, a wholesome feeling to be in a room. Everyone has something they genuinely want to say. It's not weird. Like you're just going out of nowhere and doing that. It creates a space for it. And uh, it's some of the happiest, you know, people leave that room. Everyone wants to go to that every single week. And I think it's awesome and would encourage people to emulate it. It may feel a little weird at first. Just I guarantee you get some rosé or whatever your beverage of choice is. Sit around a table and, and talk about what really went well that week. Um, on the, on a personal basis, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of weird to celebrate your success yourself. I, I, well, at least it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that's a me thing, not that I, I would love to do that more often, but I think my friends are very good at recognizing when someone has done something like, Hey, they got a new job or they did this, or, you know, they ran this marathon, et cetera. And we create spaces for each other to celebrate those people. and. One of the things I love that we do is around when we will do it when it's someone's birthday, we'll do it when someone gets promoted, we'll do it when someone gets a new job, et cetera. We'll have a dinner and 
one of the things is we will all go around in a circle and you'll say like one kind thing or meaningful thing about that person. And it's kind of a similar thing, I guess, now that I'm talking through it, <laughs> the people team wins. But again, it's like if you set those things in place where it doesn't feel weird to just like go out there and be like, hey, I really appreciated you for this. And or I think you're so what you did there was so thoughtful and I'm so proud and impressed, et cetera. If you create spaces and that's just a part of what we do, it makes those conversations a lot easier to have. And it's it, it feels good. Uh, it, it's it really does. How many of those did you do over Zoom during the pandemic? I'm sorry, I couldn't help asking. <laughs> yeah, I the that's it's uh not many, but I felt like not we didn't feel like celebrating too much. Yeah, we did a, yeah. we did a few virtual happy hours and all that. I'm sure a lot of people here have, but it just it doesn't feel the same, at least to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, a handful. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so before we get to that that last uh, that last bit where we talk about uh, your charity, uh, is there anything you want to promote or where we can find you online? Or yeah, you know, I, I talking about it at the the top of the hour on, on what I do, where I work. You know, I am that annoying person that actually really enjoys work. <laughs> I I think everyone talks about how great their company can be and they're different, et cetera. I really mean it when Wonderkin is a special place to me. I mm -hmm. will talk to, you know, different candidates and people and you kind of identify this. It's a celebration of individuality. It's reflected in the products and services, but it's also very real from a cultural element. Mm -hmm. And everyone is like a little bit weird. And I love it. There's this common thread that ties everyone together. You know, we have a squash club and a Dungeons and Dragons club and people that go to both. And cool. I, I really do think it's it's a it's a exciting place. It's an exciting company. Would encourage everyone to check it out if you're into marketing or you're looking for tech jobs in New York City. Come check us out. It's Wonderkin.co. Uh, but I think that that would be my plug. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it's it's funny. I I often say the same thing about um, where I work, um, which I don't use the name as often as I could because I don't want to feel like I'm hammering in our, our stuff. But, you know, <laughs> um, I work for Elastic uh, in my day job. And, it, yeah, there's there's just – it's such a great energy. Right? It, it's, it makes all of the difference, too. You know, when you feel comfortable at work, when you feel fulfilled at work and you have opportunities yeah. and people care about you and you're growing, it's it makes it a, a lot more enjoyable of an experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So do you have a charity for us? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. the, my, my charity is Send Chinatown Love. And this is something I've been working with our Asian Employee Resource Group. And mm -hmm. they have been promoting this charity. And uh, it's it's I love the entire idea behind it. I love what it stands for. I love the ways that you can donate. So businesses in Chinatown during the pandemic were hit exceptionally hard. Oh, yeah. And you know, a lot of these restaurants are cash only and a lot of them don't have online web presences and a lot of them are already closing. And because of the cash only nature and, you know, lack of an online presence, a lot of them didn't qualify for any of the government subsidies. And so Send Chinatown Love had created a, a platform for these 7,000 businesses in Chinatown to get them up and get them exposure, get them new revenue streams. And what I love about it outside of supporting small businesses in a city that I love is when you're donating, you can directly contribute, you can send meals. And so you can send a meal from a restaurant and send it to, you know, somewhere where they're serving food to people who need it. And the third is they also have a digital cookbook from a lot of dishes from restaurants in the area, which I think is super cool mm -hmm. that if you want to actually get that taste of, you know, what is the food that they're cooking in Chinatown, you're able to do that from your own home. So Again, I encourage everyone to check it out. I think it's a wonderful organization. So send Chinatown love. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, the, if, if anything were to really just, like, I, I would be heartbroken if Chinatown were not to have that energy, were not to have that, you know, so I, I'm all for it. Um, Hell yeah. It, it's, it really is a special yeah. place. It's, yeah. a, it's a core part of New York. It, it really yeah. it is. And, and so it, it's, I'm, 
you know, especially with a lot of the anti-Asian sentiment that we had earlier this year, I'm so thrilled that there are organizations like this that can be there to support those communities and those businesses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, groovy. Cool. Um, that's everything. All right. Yeah. So, um, uh, thank you, Tom. Thank you so much uh, for, yeah. for taking some time out to uh, to talk to us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I love I love the the premise of the show. I think the structure is amazing, and I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. And uh, if you ever decide you want to come back, just drop me a note. All right. Absolutely. I may take you up on that. <laughs> and uh, for the people at home, we'll be right back after this. First thing I want to do is I want to thank Tom for coming on the show. I had a lot of fun. I believe he did too. And again, anytime you want to come back, Tom, you are more than welcome. Um, it was it was great. Uh, so let's talk about our badge code for the week. Yes, the badge code for the week. Uh, this week it is... Um, uh, wired. W-I-R-E-D. Let me make sure I have not used that one in the past because I would hate to find out that I did and yeah. Why are you not? Oh yeah. Okay. Google Docs. Come on. Um, oh yeah. I have to turn, I have to turn my keyboard on. I turn it off so that someone can't, um, like I have not used that one in the past. So wired. Wired is our word this week. And Turning the keyboard off, is this because Shaw has now draped himself this across is, your notebook? It's, it's a normal, it's like a, a, an ongoing problem with doing recording interviews or whatever. Is I'll, I'll get here and I'll have the thing set up and then the cat will, like Sergey has walked across the keyboard and stopped the recording. And you right? can't do an under keyboard tray? No, no, my, my legs bang into it. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't fit well for me ergonomically. Um, but it's a wireless keyboard with an off switch. So Shaw is currently draped over Kevin's notebook mm -hmm. and part of his keyboard being painfully adorable. Yes. So the, the important takeaway though is relating to Tom's statement about you have to find out how you're wired and figure out what the best, how the best system to work for you is. Um, isn't that right, Shaw? Yes. Um, oops, sorry, buddy. Um, didn't mean to startle you. So, Hey, yeah, there's our word for the week is wired. And if you would like to know more about the badge codes, how to get them, why you want them, what they are, what they do, you can go to productivityalchemy.com and enter that, and there will be a whole thing about badge codes that you can find out more than you ever wanted to know. More than you ever wanted to know. Um, but you get a neat badge out of it that says where you got it, and you can, you can show it off, so, you know, there's that. The other thing you will find there is a support section. Yes, places that you can give us money. Don't give us money. Don't give us money. We we are doing great. We're good. Everything is fine right now. We will tell you if it changes, but for the moment, other people need it so much worse. We're good. So yeah. give some money to them. And what is our charity this week? So our charity this week is Send Chinatown Love at sendchinatownlove.com. Um as a reminder, businesses in Chinatown, and I'm reading straight off their webpage, uh, were one of the first hit by the pandemic, um, suffering a revenue losses of 60 to 80% as early as February 2020. Yeah, there was a whole thing where there was a lot of anti-Asian racism because, yeah. you know, with the whole, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, uh, frickin' Trump and his China flu shit. And, right. uh, yeah, even our little tiny... Chinese restaurant in town got its windows broken, and I was so mad. Uh, yeah, just angry. Like, I'm still yeah. mad, yeah. Uh, but they are um, donating meals. They are um, raising money for Light Up Chinatown, which is another 
uh, charity and and thing going on. They have they're directly supporting the merchants. They are um, like using donations and uh, vouchers, mm -hmm. like because you can get vouchers for uh, uh, food from some of the places if you happen to live in New York. Um, and it's really important. I, Chinatown is a cultural icon oh, in yeah, New yeah. York, and I uh, it's it's one of my in, in favorite places. Not just in New York. I mean, uh, uh, on the West Coast, uh, my my uncle, uh, yes, by uncle and uncle by marriage. How does that work? I, I don't no know. Idea. My yeah. my aunt's husband uh, uh, was a, a a Chinese restaurant owner in Portland's Chinatown, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, I spent a lot of time there as a small child. And you you. I mean, it's it's a huge like. There is a lot of history there that I am not remotely equipped to speak <laughs> on, right. and but uh, absolutely, uh, they have been very hard hit by the pandemic and any and by underlying racist issues in American thought. And it's uh, anything we can do to make their lives a little yeah. easier is a good thing. Yeah. So go check them out. They have uh, multiple ways to help, not just cash donations, but hey, um, cash donations are always a big help with any charity. Yep. Um, and that's it for this week. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm going to go turn this into an episode that you folks are going to listen to and <laughs> you're listening to. And I think, you know, do your best this week to, um, you know, stay productive. I got to go finish a cover for a romance novel. Will, will it help if I put on a Vin Diesel movie or will that distract you too much? It couldn't hurt. <laughs>